0: a very good time together and also with ourselves. And uh, the, uh, the, 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 the talk today, I would like to start with uh, questions that uh, it's very important for us to know what we are doing and also why we are doing it. there was also another question last time, and uh, the question actually is a very big question for a scientist. And what is meditation? Where does it begin? Where does it end? And what is non-meditation? So this is the inquiry that we will have this evening, for our entertainment. (laughs) And uh, I don't like, I will give my point of view, but also you can cogitate and have your own reflection and also your own conclusion. This is very important. You have to see for yourself, what are you doing? Why are you doing it? And also, what is this practice of meditation all about? So I think I will go on, right? Because, because I have the mic. So, but also maybe we, at some point, you know, we can have also interaction. If you are interested, or if you think that there's something will be suitable to give as a feedback, then you are welcome. So, my proposition here, as a reply, I will say that meditation. We are thinking together. Meditation. is about sensitivity, to be sensitive. Meditation is about intelligence. And meditation is about adjustment. Sensitivity, intelligence, adjustment. So, we'll go trying to explain a little bit or give some definition about these words. Sensitivity. It means also to be attentive, to be listening, to be learning about our environment, about ourselves. Also, the quality that will enable us to be aware of our environment is also very important. So the quality of being, the quality of presence that brings us in touch with ourselves, with the world, with the senses, with the mind. So the sensitivity of being intimate being close to the experience, the experience of contact, the feelings, the Vedana, the perceptions, also the reactions that sometimes is happening in regard to these sense impression. One aspect of sensitivity also is first acknowledging facts in the present, So, for that, we need balance. So, we could say that sensitivity is a quality of presence that is balance. This is my definition. Then, about intelligence. If we are really here, if we are really there, we inquire. Intelligence, it's not only intellectual, of course. Intellectual kind of uh, cogitating or reflecting is important. But also, I try to speak about the intelligence of the art, the intelligence related to a direct knowledge, an intelligence of intuition. So that intelligence is facing fact. Of life, inside, outside, and we see a problem or we don't see a problem. If there is a problem, good, we have to develop our intelligence and the thing with intelligence is it has to find a solution. So we see a problem and we try to come with a solution. That means we have to observe very closely. That observation brings us some understanding of the situation now, what is happening, and a bit of causes and conditions about the whole dynamic of the things. Then the third aspect about adjustment. So when we see that something is not fitting, then we have to do something about it. So intelligence is related to knowledge, isn't it? We know things. This is the quality of intelligence. But intelligence without action is useless. Do you agree with that? Intelligence without action is useless. And also, action Without intelligence, it's also useless. So, now, we develop a little bit of our intelligence. At least, I hope so. We try. Huh? And then, what about the action in this story? So, the action actually relates, again, to the situation now. So, the action also relates to a quality of effort, a little bit of energy that will gives us the possibility to adapt, to adjust, to balance, to see how we can deal with the thing in ways that are going to be a source of knowledge, a source of uh, growth, a source of learning, and also a source, well, just a source of development and. That adjustment has to do, of course, with the life situations. It has also to do with our actions. When we do something, we look, and then we understand what we do with uh, our body, what we do with our speech, what we do also with our mind, and then we adjust. We adjust in the way that the result is going to bring happiness. The result is going to bring harmony and a little bit more of clarity in our life. So the adjustment is related in Buddhist term to sila, samadhi, panya. That means we are adjusting to our life, our ethic, our behavior, sila. We are adjusting also to the quality of our mind. So the samadhi also The meditation needs to be adjusted, and also we are adjusting with our views, our understanding of the whole thing. So, here we have three words that define, according to me, what is meditation. It starts to be very serious. So like I, now I'd like to ask you the question, is it possible with these terms to make a connection with the texts? So we have a tradition of texts that we have in Buddhism, all traditions also, you know, whether, whatever religion it is, you, they carry texts, no? they carry values and then philosophies and ways of uh, of uh, uh, keeping a teaching alive, ways of also keeping the values that had been understood alive uh, so this text, if we just read the text it 's actually very boring if we don 't make sense in ourselves so uh, now i 'm going to take one extract or not the, the extract but uh, uh, one specific text that actually was announced, uh, you know, as a possible development, as a possible inquiry in the, in the team, you know, and so uh, it's uh, the Majimani number 117, and uh, it's called Kassa, the Great Forty. This is the book if you are not used to uh, to look in these texts. First, before we start just to look at the text itself, I would like to uh, uh, express a summary of the principles that we are finding in the text itself. What are the principles? What is the text telling us or speaking about? It's speaking about the views or the vision that we have about things. It's speaking like this España, so the perspective, the view, or. The, 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 not the belief, but the, the way we understanding, this is actually related to Panya, view, Samaditi, also. And it's speaking about Sati, mindfulness. And also it's speaking about Samavayama, effort or energy. So we have these three things the right view, right understanding, the right mindfulness quality of presence quality of being there and samayama the right effort that means action and the text you know the principle says that it has to start with knowledge that means we need to know what we are doing and then what is that knowing enable us to do, the knowing that will be giving us, that will be given to us, will enable us to distinguish between a wrong path or a right path. That means a path that is conducive to difficulties and suffering and all kinds of uh, unhappiness and things like this, and then a right path, a path towards clarity, light, and understanding. And, like, just before, like, I will go to the text, but again, you know, just to, to, make, a, to make a simile of these things is that if we are in a medical uh, uh, facilities, and then you are a surgeon, No, I'm not a surgeon, maybe you are a surgeon, and then, oh, well, you have a big deal, huh? because you might not be that experienced, never mind, you can, now you are a surgeon in your mind. So, uh, you have to deal with the sick person. That has, you know, let's say the, the person is having an appendicite, which can be if you don't take care of it, of course, naturally you can take care of that hmm, with diet and things like this. But if it gets very bad, it turns into peritonitis. That means the appendicite is going to get infected. So then it's a case of emergency. You have to remove the little thing in your abdomen. So you are the surgeon here. First, you have to be there. Second, you have to understand the situation. And then, third, you have to act. So, views, understanding, mindfulness, and then the effort to put it into action. So, the text says, what because is noble right concentration. Our concentration here, we speak about samadhi, we speak about collectiveness, we speak about, uh, you know, anyway. Uh, what is noble right concentration with its supports and its requisites? That is right view, right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, and right mindfulness. So, unification of mind equipped. With these seven factors is called Noble Right Concentration with its supports and its requisites. This is the beginning of the, of the text, and then it wants to convey us what is samadhi. What is meditation actually? And then it describes it in this way the meditation, the samadhi, the harmony, the unification of mind that we are going to have needs to be equipped with these eightfold, you know, factors of the path together, you know, somebody and then and the rest of the of the path. So, uh, you know, if you don't like, you know, you can read it by yourself, but now I am reading it. You can review it and try to see what it means to you. So they start, you know. With view, so it, the, the text goes on, and uh, it says uh, Darian because right view comes first. And now does right view come first? One understands wrong view as wrong view and right view as right view. This is one's right view. And what because is wrong view? Right, so the wrong view here is explained about uh, you know they, they give about uh, eight, nine or ten uh, just basic things that are uh, that are showing actually that there is no result that the, the things are not uh, really causally related so for example. Someone will, will believe. Someone will have the view that there is nothing given, nothing offered, nothing sacrificed, no fruit or result of good and bad actions, no this world, no other world, no mother, no father, no beings who are reborn spontaneously, and etc. Right? So this is one type of wrong view. And why? Because it's right view. Right view, I say, is twofold there is right view that is affected by taints pertaining to merit ripening in the acquisitions. Here, it means that we can have an understanding of the world, we can have a view that actually is very positive and then that view will just bring us happiness, will just bring us the result of our good actions. And the problem here, or actually the distinction that they are making with the second type of right view, is that that happiness that will be the result of these actions or these beliefs is condition. It is dependent on condition. So that means if you know the condition very well, then you can play ping pong and always win the ping pong game, right? So life is like this. If we are very skillful, we get the result. But is there something else than just playing a game and very, be, be, be very, very skillful in it? So. What is right view that is affected by the taints partate, partaking to merits and ripening in the acquisition? So here, uh, it's just the opposite of these ten things, you know? So there is, there is what given, there is what is given, what is offered, and what is sacrificed, etc. Right? So this is just a kind of worldly, uh, positive uh, understanding of our world. And what because right view that is noble, taintless, supramundane, a factor of the path? The wisdom, the wisdom, the faculty of wisdom, the power of wisdom, the investigation of states, enlightenment factor, the path factor of right view in one whose mind is noble whose mind is stainless who possess the noble path and is developing the noble path. This is right view, that is noble, etc. One makes an effort to abandon wrong view and to enter upon right view. This is one's right effort. Mindfully, one abandons wrong view. Mindfully, one enters upon and abides in right view. This is one's right effort mindfulness. Thus, these three states run and circle around right view. That is, right view, right effort, and right mindfulness. So here, we have a circle. A circle. A circle of perspective. That means the view you have about the thing. And then, what are you looking? You are looking in your life, you are looking inside of you, you are looking everywhere in the world. You have a perspective, a view, hmm? kind of very clear vision of what is there. And then, the second member of that circle is the quality of presence, mindfulness is there, and then the effort also to adjust in consequence. What is in the middle here? that perspective, that mindfulness, that adjustment will be in regard to the views that you have. That means the belief that I have, the way I see the world, I look at that, huh? we look at our belief, our at our vision, at our views, and then we see, is it, where is that going? Huh? Where is that view, what are the, well, is it a view that is conducive to what i intend what i believe is it a view that is a right view or is it a view you know my understanding of the situation is it a type of understanding that is going to give me to to to, to bring me down so then i do if it's the, if i if that type of uh, understanding is wrong then i adjust it and then i i, I adapt a view that is more balanced, that brings more understanding, uh, more clarity. Uh, So the adjustment is also there. So samaditi, samasati, samavayama, the circle around the view. Then, number two, that circle, again, is going to turn around intention, sankappa. So again, here, they 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 divide the the you know the material into uh, well therein because right view comes first, and how does right view come first? One understand wrong intention. So here, the thing that the the the, 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 the trio no, the thing that the, 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 the trio the, the circle combining these things is going to turn around is a, is a wrong intention. One understands. This is One understands wrong intention as wrong intention and right intention as right intention. This is one's right view. And what, because is wrong intention? That means what we are looking. We are looking at intention, our intention, the intention of sensual desire, the intention of ill will, and the intention of cruelty. This is wrong intention because. If I have these types of intentions, I'm not going to have a very good uh, uh, life. My mind and my, everything is not going to have a good outcomes. And what? Because it's right intention. Right intention, I say, is twofold. Again, here, we have a twofold division. Huh? So there is the right intention that is affected by taints. That's a kind of worldly thing, partaking to merit. And ripening in the acquisitions, and there is right intention that is noble, taintless, supramundane, a factor of the path. So, a description of these two. What is right intention that is affected by the taints, partaking to merit, ripening in the acquisitions? The intention of renunciation, the intention of non ill will, the intention of non cruelty. This is right intention that is affected by taints, ripening in the acquisitions. That means if you have this type of intention, you definitely are going to have good results. You will be happy, but it's still conditioned. And why? Because it's right intention that is noble, taintless, supramundane factor of the path. The thinking, thought, intention, mental absorption, mental fixity. Directing of mind, verbal formation in one whose mind is noble, whose mind is stainless, who possesses the noble path and is developing the noble path. This is right intention. Intention that is noble, a factor of the path. So. Speak about right intention, samma sankampa. Here, for those who are kind of uh, you know, specialists in language and like uh, etymology, or, it's interesting to see that the description of uh, right intention in the Pali hmm, is the thinking. Takko. Huh? Like I will read the whole the, the passage in the Pali. So, takko, vitakko. Sankapo appana Biapana Chetaso So again the thinking, the thought, intention, mental absorption, mental fixity, directing of the mind, verbal formation in one whose mind, etc. Right? So this is the intention. The intention is related also uh, is related to the quality of our thinking, the direction that the mind is taken, our intention, and also what the mind is getting absorbed into. And also it is related to the verbal form- formation. So do you realize that when you speak Actually, you are just expressing your thoughts, isn't it? So I think about something and then I will say it. So the thinking actually is what produces the verbal action. It what this is what produces the speech. Again, same conclusion. Regarding to intention, one makes an effort to abandon wrong intention and to enter upon right intention. This is one's right effort. Mindfully one abandons wrong intention. Mindfully one enters upon and abides in right intention. This is one's right mindfulness. Thus these three states run in circle around right intention. That is, right view, right effort, and right mindfulness. Here we are talking about our meditation. We are talking about what is happening there. How we understand it, how we are present to it, and also how we are dealing with it. So the same pattern will be repeated for speech. And uh, I don't want to bother you with, uh, you know, reading text. You can look at the details later. But uh, it's the same thing. And I will just uh, skip a little bit because uh, it's about the same principle. The same principle of these three things of right view, right mindfulness, and right uh, uh, effort that is going about. Your speech itself, and also that this is the speech also is divided into, so you have the worldly type of speech that is very skillful, but it's just pertaining to merit, and then you have a, another a type of speech actually that is uh, uh, actually just refraining you so you just abstain, you just uh, you know avoid uh, speaking things that uh, that is not so skillful. so so when you are sitting now huh, you are not speaking so uh, then at least you don't entertain, you know, a speech that is uh, that will be uh, not conducive to what actually you want. Huh? To what actually we want. And then the same principle apply to action. So again, actions, no, uh, physical actions. Uh, it is uh, you know. Uh, uh, well, just read the text read therein, because right view comes first, and all those right view come first. One understands wrong action as wrong action, and right action as right action. This is one's right view. And what Bikkhu is wrong action? Killing living beings, taking what is not given, misconduct in sensual pleasures. This is wrong action. And what Bikkhu's? is right action. Right action, I see, is twofold. There is a right action that is affected by taints, partaking to merit, ripening in the acquisitions, and there is a right action that is noble, taintless, supramonding, a factor of the path. So the, the 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 right action you know that uh, is just a, that is a worldly type of partaking to merit is just abstinence you know you just abstain from killing and the abstinence abstains from uh, stealing and things like this you know so this is the right affection action that is affected by the things and then uh, what is right action that is noble tenples to a factor of the path So, again here, they don't give so much about, they don't speak so much about the positive, they speak about uh, the desisting, they speak about the abstaining of the three kinds of bodily misconduct, and then refraining abstinence from them in one whose mind is noble, whose mind is relentless, who possesses the noble path and is developing the noble path. This is right action that is noble, a factor of the path. So, of course, here we speak about noble people and then people who are just uh, it seems a bit quite off, but the principle is there that means if we are practicing, if we have understood also a bit of what we are doing, the path that we are walking on, then these principles are going to apply, and also this principle also will give us the possibility to see the difference. with just uh, condition you know uh, actions and then actions that will lead to, to a kind of happiness that will be far beyond and not dependent on causes and conditions. So the principle, the, 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 the principle of the, the triple things applies to the actions. And then we have the livelihood, oh, so Sama uh, Ajiva. And then again, I will not uh, read it well i read the previous but this one i'm not going to read it because it's just about the same thing right livelihood and then you know livelihood uh, like this and like that and uh, actually just refraining abstinence and uh, you just to avoid you know you just to avoid the type of uh, livelihood that is not going to be con- uh, conducive to what you're wanting and then again, the principle of uh, uh, viewing the thing properly, so right view, and then mindfully you mindfully you abandon we abandon the wrong livelihood, mindfully we enter we enter upon and dwells in right livelihood, this is mindfulness, and thus these three states run and circle around right livelihood so here we are complete, and again, you know, I think they they, they really like memorize and uh, to make list and the kind of uh, kind of very systematic right so here it's called uh, the the great 40 and then they have a division of things they make number and uh, so the division actually is we have to come out we, we have to come out with uh, with uh, 40 so those who are good in mathematics please check if I don't miss a number and we have these Eight factors of the noble path that we just went to. And then, if you practice like that, what is the outcome? The outcome is knowledge. So, if we really practice well, then there is a great deal of knowledge that comes out of it. Big insights, big, big understanding. So, we have a ninth factor, knowledge. And then, that knowledge actually is, given, is giving us An understanding that frees us, that brings a kind of deliverance. So a ten factor. Deliverance. So we have these eight things, plus knowledge and then plus deliverance. So this is ten. So when we are practicing these ten, then we abandon the ten opposite so, and then also the tens opposite are just, uh, you know, they are just the sources and, and then the conditions to, for, for uh, unskillful things to arise. So we abandon them. So altogether, this is 10. Actually, I will just read the note because the note is uh, maybe more uh, articulate than my words. And then, then actually, it's just, uh, I'm sure, not to make a, 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 an error in mathematics. So the note says the 20 factors on the wholesome side are the 10 right factors and the wholesome states that originate from each. The 20 factors on the unwholesome side are the 10 wrong factors and the unwholesome states that originate from each. Hence the name the great fourteen. And we see here that the text is speaking about sensitivity, intelligence, adjustment, sati, panya, vidya. Then, since we are talking about what is meditation, with this definition, we can say that meditation, these aspects, is added to all aspects of our life. It's all related to our life itself. So life becomes meditation. We are the meditation process. We are the path. So the eightfold noble path we are talking about is all in your heart. And then in your heart, then the expression will come out of it. You carry the path with you. We are with a path. Of course, it's not always easy, isn't it? if the road is not so nice. And uh, it's just interesting, actually, to see when we have difficulty. We can ask, what's my problem? Is the problem with the road? Or is the problem with my tire? So how they they invented the the, the shoes, you know? It's a guy, I think the the question was, uh, the question was, the road is so bad. So instead of changing the road, then you, 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 you change the, the things that you walk with on the road, and then they invented the shoes. So then you don't need so much to change the road because your shoes are good. So the same thing. You have a car, is there a problem with a car or is there a problem with the road? So we have to see. So if there is a problem, we can ask ourselves, what is my problem? Right view, perspective, understanding. Then what happens? We adjust. So we have to see in ourselves how far we understand, how far we can uh, adjust and adapt, and uh, just do with with the thing because life is going on, whether we like it or we don't like it, uh, it's there. So now we will speak about actually what we are doing, huh? what we are, what we have instructed you to. Uh, To practice, or we suggested actually to practice, you know, Metta, the practice of benevolence or things like this. And then also the practice of Anapana, you watch your breath, you watch your mind also. So different types of meditation we are doing. And uh, since I took a text, we took two texts last time, like I started with uh, the idea that uh, we practice metta is good. It is very good. So we see that when we practice metta, the four Brahmaviyara, we feel good. But the difference in Buddhism is that these four Brahmaviyara needs to be combined with the seven factors of enlightenment. This is the text that was uh, referred to. Metta and then Mudita. uh, uh, Karuna and then Upeka, together with these seven factors of enlightenment. And also that text you know, that uh, we were uh, referring to uh, points out that uh, uh, in Buddhism, actually this is what they say, that in the Brahmavya, with the Brahmavya, we have to see the limits of the practice. What, is, what are the limits of the practice of these four bhammas we have? So just very, very brief, huh? and try to connect it with your experience, because now for the last uh, weeks, you might have practiced a little bit of this you know, very joyful and very divine type of abiding. So what is the limit there? Sometimes you get very fed up, and sometimes you get very into the mood. You really get into the practice, and then you just almost fly because it's so good. The meditation is very good. So what are the limits of that type of meditation? So if we are to take the practice of metta, of course, you know the text says okay, you, get, you, you can get into very deep absorption, we can get into the jhanas. But uh, at some point, what happens is that uh, you are able to include all beings in your mind, in your heart, All beings are there, and then you are with all beings, all beings in the universe. What is happening at some point if you get fed up, right? But the mind is really good. The mind is really uh, geared quite up. What happens is that uh, you are cultivating a type of meditation that is very beautiful. So all beings you are seeing are so beautiful. You love them. You love yourself, you love, there is a kind of unity, there is a kind of harmony. So it's uh, the meditation on the beautiful. So the meditation on the beautiful, actually, is limited by the attraction, huh? the turtle. So the attraction, the magnetic feel of matter, because beings, living beings, is just matter. So we are attracted to that. So the maximum, or the limit that we can have with the practice of metta, is uh, the meditation on the beautiful. That means you can shift your meditation on a beautiful color. Right? So, so when you are fed up a little bit with the emotions of metta, then you know, there is a possibility to, to you just see a color, right? A blue or a white or a very beautiful red, and then you just uh, turn, you know, this uh, field of uh, living beings into a color, and then you can still have the very big expansion. expansion and this is called now. Now, now we are explaining about uh, very uh, advanced type of meditation, and then in case you are able to go there, it's good, but don't worry at all. You don't need to, to, to develop these states of very, very deep absorption. We are just talking about the possibility that these states uh, are bringing to us. Uh, so the meditation of meta is, the med- is uh, all the meditations that are related to the beautiful. So mine is, mine is beautiful, objects are beautiful, and then... Uh, this is your limitation, and that limitation is, is connected still with matter, because beings are the objects of your meditation. The second aspect of uh, the second type of meditation that is related to uh, karuna. Uh, karuna is the compassion. So sometimes you look at beings, and then you see they're suffering. So uh, you feel a lot of compassion. So because the mind is having so much Compassion is so much seeing the suffering and the difficulties and the affliction and the misery that beings are having, that at some point, when the mind has become very big, all-inclusive, you are so fed up with this suffering, that there is a disjunction. You just leave it all there, and the mind goes into space. No more matter. It's too difficult. It's too troublesome. It's too much, full of suffering. So the limitation that the mind of compassion is going to have is infinite space. So in space, you don't see anything. You don't see, uh, you know, the suffering of being. And also in space, again, a, a magnetic field that is different. You are no more in the influence under the influence of the magnetic field of the earth, so you are in the arupa. That means you are in the immaterial realms, dimensions of the mind. Then the third type of brahmavihara uh, is the mudita, the sympathetic joy. So these are alternatives that are sometimes interesting to to develop huh? when you when you, when we are practicing depending on how we see the beings, then different types of emotions can arise. So sometimes we look, you know, we, have, we want to develop altruistic uh, kind of uh, emotions, and then we look at beings, and then we see them so successful, we see them happy, we see, we see them with full of uh, good things, and we, re- we, re- we rejoice about that. Such a wonderful thing is this practice. It breaks all kinds of jealousy because the happiness of somebody is going to be your own happiness. This is wonderful. So if you are really bored, the best thing to do is you look at other people and you say, Oh my meditation is so bad, I'm depressed. But look at these yogis, you know. Hey they can sit for hours and then they smile all the time and And they seem so much fit, right? So the mudita, the joy that you are having for the success of people, is the emotion that is connected with this type of meditation. So what is the limit of uh, altruistic joy that you develop in your mind? So the limit, actually, is because your object is the mind of people. You are looking at the happiness, you are looking at the, the... the the, the buoyancy, the the, the bliss or the happiness that people are having. So happiness is related to mind. So when you look at other people and then you rejoice, actually, you rejoice about the happiness that they have. So when you include in your mind a lot of beings, then that means you are looking at a lot of uh, mental happiness in others and then because the mind is extended and then because also happiness is just your focus and happiness is a factor of uh, mind then the limit of your meditation is infinite consciousness so this is also interesting because this can happen in your meditation you are so happy and then you know just uh, it's the, the mind is not bothered with any kind of hindrances and then the jhana factors, you don't need to be so analytic, but, the, you know, what is called the jhana factors, all that, we'll see that a little bit later, huh? and, uh, and, and then then that happiness and, and uh, you know, uh, sympathy you have with people, at some point, you, you, you turn into infinite consciousness, because you are looking at the consciousness of all the beings, then the limit, you know, when there is a switch in infinite consciousness. So your mind is just the mind of all beings and then the mind of the universe and then you are very happy. And that state is related also, is a, is a, it is a, at the level of the fourth jhana. That means it is very much equanimous, but the object is just infinite consciousness. Then if you are practicing the fourth type, of meditation, that means equanimity. So there is also, you know, the last one of the Brahma Uyara is Upekka. So at some point, you reflect, you know, your your object is still the beings, uh, so you look at beings, and then you reflect at some point, you know, that, well, you know, this is people, whatever I do... You know, people are, are the results of their actions. Their actions also is their inheritance. Their action is they are born from the action. So so much of uh, understanding you have about karma, huh, that uh, also you know, so much of uh, uh, kind of uh, not indifference. Huh? You are not indifferent to other beings, but you are a bit more detached, and then you see that the, the, there is a law in which you cannot much interfere in, 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 in what uh, beings have, you know, as the consequence of their actions. So you develop a lot of upekka. We will not talk about in detail about uh, this, but, uh, well, just I uh, want to say, I will finish with, with that point, is that uh, when you have upekka, so the mind is very cool, and then also you see the beings in a very cool way, Oh, so, you are very much equanimous, so much balance. And then the, the aspect of emotion also is a bit less because you don't rejoice to the happiness, you don't uh, have compassion. Of course, it is necessary to have these qualities of uh, uh, caring, these qualities of compassion, and then this quality of joy towards beings. But at this last stage, you are completely equanimous, equanimity. And then you are detached. <coughs> huh? You are still interested, but you are very detached from the whole scene. Upekka, just economy. So that stage of economy has, for its limit, uh, the infinite. It is actually, it's not infinite. It's just nothingness. So uh, you are just, you you, 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 you know, you just, you just enter into a state of nothingness because. Uh, because uh, this is uh, this is what will happen. Yeah. So anyway, it's just uh, it's just it's just a technical thing, and then you will see <laughs> you will see for yourself what is that you know emptiness when you are practicing the bhumapravara. <laughs> but this is what the text says. Okay, so this is the limit for these bhumapravara. But the thing is that this text, you know, the the, 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 the is you know the, the metta meta in the bhujanga, right? It is connected. Finally, it has to be connected with the seven bhoganga. Huh? So, it starts with mindfulness. So you know them. So, eventually, to whatever extent you are practicing these brahmavihara, you have to come back to the set patana You have to come back to the seven factors of enlightenment. And uh, very briefly, again, you know the second text that I use. The uh, in the Anguttara it, it's called in brief you may have looked at it or, or not it doesn't matter uh, the idea in the text was that uh, first a monk or a, a practitioner you are you're kind of monastic also you know for now and uh, so a yogi has to stabilize the mind huh? so this was the, 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 this was the advice of the Buddha to somebody so he says stabilize your mind make your mind very balanced after you have made your mind, your mind very balanced stable then develop this for Brahmavihara, huh? up to a, re- a great extent, where Jhana could occur. Then the third step in that instructions, wa- in that instruction, was from the Brahmavihara. Then you switch to the Satipatthana. That means again, you are coming back to the reality. You are coming back to your experience, and then you see it as a process. So the Brahmavihara, and then in the end, the Satipatthana. So what is the purpose of this Brahmavuyara? What is also the definition of, uh, of metta? So uh, as I said, you know, there should be no misunderstanding about uh, metta. Of course, like we use, I use the word love. Huh? We say it's, uh, it's, it can be translated as love, but uh, like in Greek... Uh, the term love, we have about seven words for that, and then the last one is agape. Uh, so agape means a very subtle type of uh, of love that is very sublime. Uh, so it has nothing to do with passion. It has nothing to do with a romantic or sensual attachment. So. Uh, like the metta, right? So what is the purpose of metta? What is the purpose of, like, even if we don't develop it to a very great extent, what's the purpose for us to practice a little bit of loving kindness, of caring a little bit? So the idea here is that, uh, first of all, we are able to accept ourselves, we are able to accept other beings, because we care. So we are, developing a quality of acceptance, we are also developing quality of care, and then also a kind of clarity and a kind of understanding as well. So this is the purpose behind that. Whether you develop it to the extent of jhana or not, it's not that important. So we come back to our topic, what is meditation? So we can say that meditation can be passive and also meditation can be active. So we have also a type of meditation that is Samatha, that means a meditation that, me, that is making us tranquil, huh? and then also that is clearing the mind, and also a type of meditation that is more uh, related to insight, to Vipassana, and then to simply understand the reality and make sense out of it. So to end up, the question also that was asked, if you remember it, uh, what is meditation, where does it begin, and where does it end? And what is non-meditation? So where does meditation begin? Where does meditation begin? I will say meditation begins when we start to be conscious, when we start to be aware, when we have a quality of knowing. This is the beginning of meditation. Where meditation ends? When we are not conscious, when we are not aware, when we don't have any more quality of presence. But, is there a meditation where there is no beginning and no end? Mm-hmm. Maybe, and this is what is said. So, technically they say that uh, the meditation that has no beginning and that has no end. is called, technically, it's called animita dhamma, it's called asankata dhamma, it's called also... Amata Dhamma. And actually, it relates to Nibbana, a outside temporality. So, animita Dhamma, that means uh, a kind of uh, d- a Dhamma that has no sign. We can go in detail about that letter. And also, a sankata is a kind of phenomena that is not conditioned. And also, amata is the immortal. So we are looking for the immortal, the immortal is on condition. So if the experience we are having, if the dimension we are able to enter with our mind is no more subject to conditions, then it's immortal and it's out of time. And it has no beginning and it has no end. So, as a conclusion, we are speaking our practice. We are speaking about your practice. So, to alternate, that means to adjust the. We can alternate. We can see what do we need. We can adjust a little bit our, you know, moods. Mm-hmm. We can adjust according to the days. We can adjust so according to how we feel, you know. And then we have to be very sensitive to that. It's not. Very systematic. Now, now this is a, you go with your schedule every day, you know, and then now you have to do like this, now to that, that, and then chop the celery like this, and then the carrots like that. No, first you are there, and then you are just observing, and then you see what you need. That's why meditation is based on observation. Meditation is sensitivity. Hmm? Then meditation is understanding, intelligence. And meditation is adjusting the effort we have to act up to the point where there is no effort. This is samadhi. This is also upekka, complete balance, complete clarity, very peaceful. This is meditation. So. We should not make it only an ideal. We have to see. All the time we have to adjust, and then we have to observe. So I wish you a very good success and very much happiness into your uh, discoveries. Sadhu, sadhu, (laughs) sadhu, (laughs) sadhu.